0: Stand and begin in prayer. O Master who loves mankind, illuminate our hearts with the pure light of your divine knowledge and open the eyes of our mind to understand the teachings of your holy scriptures. The stillness also the fear of your blessed commandments, that we may overcome all carnal desires, entering upon a spiritual life and understanding and acting in all things according to your holy will. For you are the enlightenment of our souls and bodies, O Christ God, and to you we give glory together with your Father and your all holy, gracious and life-giving Spirit, both now and ever and into ages of ages. Amen. 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 Alright, we got a few announcements and I have some questions for you guys also. Would anybody be interested in a series on Catechism
1: 101? Oh. Yes, yes, yes.
0: Like, yes. can I see a raise of hands? okay, alright so I was thinking, this was Mon's idea and so I was thinking maybe I would do that, we would just take the catechism and uh, we'd go through it, not with a fine tooth comb, but hit the main points go through the sacraments, it'd be kind of a long series, but you know okay, so there's interest we'll do it uh, what's that? a
2: couple years ago they had one
0: okay But it looks like maybe we could use this. It
2: wasn't. It was very short. It was just
0: a few lectures. Oh, we can't cover the whole faith in a couple lectures. But we're trying to cover the whole Bible in a couple
1: lectures.
0: Uh, This this is back there. You guys have seen this a couple of times. If you haven't put your email down, I have an email list that I'm supposed to be sending out on. I haven't been doing it, but I will be doing it because I have a new... Email program now that we can do it with. So if you haven't done it, it's in the back there, and that way we can let you know about coming events. Yeah. Speaking of upcoming events, uh, this is the last one I want to talk about. This Saturday, Father Goodsover is giving his practicum on on the uh, office. You know, just kind of like turn here, turn there for Lent. How do you do it? It's real, you know, getting down and doing it. So that's what it is. Uh, that's the Saturday flyers are back there. Uh, I put out a schedule for you guys. It's in the back. Lent. Okay, I can't avoid that. Okay, one more. Uh, Bible study. Um, again, I apologize for another Salvation History Bible study, but it's a different Salvation History Bible study. We've been going on the historical level. Okay, We're going to go on the supernatural level and see the working of God through all of these stories of man's failure. We're going to see how God does it right. Okay, and somehow he's weaving these stories, his plan of salvation. Okay, don't miss this because otherwise you come out of here thinking the Bible's like a pornographic book and it's, uh, it's a bunch of war and stuff. <laughs> you know? Well, there's some wild stories in it, but there's <laughs> R-rated.
1: Uh,
0: yeah, is, there's R-rated parts, but in in there there's holiness, and that's what this is all about. Don't miss it because this is this is my like money series. I've done this a number of times and, and i have got some good stuff on it. I think you guys will appreciate that. Did anybody do this with me before this in here? I did. Okay, and Edmund did. And, uh, yeah. All right. Uh-huh. Um, after Easter, I'm starting this Bible study again down at Starbucks, in Chesterbrook, Starbucks. They have that second story. And so a little outreach to the community, come learn about the Bible, and uh, there it is. Pass it to your friends. Sometimes coming to a church is a little uncomfortable for people, so we're going out to them, and we're going to have this Bible study there. Okay, I'm going to do that. Uh, during Lent, Liturgy of the pre Gifts is one of our events. Well, what is it? Uh, how many of you went to the Byzantine series that we had? Not too many. I'm sorry about that. It was great. Uh, I, I am a Melkite Catholic, Byzantine Catholic, Greek Catholic, whatever you want to call it. I'm not a Roman Catholic.
1: <laughs>
0: I be- we believe the exact same thing. We are in union. Catholic means universal. Roman Catholic is those Catholics that are influenced from the evangelization of Rome. Most of the Western Hemisphere, because through Spain, the evangelization in America is boom. But over in the East, in Greece and Russia, and all, there's a bunch of Catholics that don't celebrate the mass the way the Romans do, but they believe the same thing,
3: and they are under the pope, okay. and they are in
0: communion with the Roman Church. Okay, in communion the, the, and all that good stuff. Okay, it's not the Orthodox except we look like the Orthodox, or I would say they look like us. Okay? Um, So anyways, the liturgy that we're saying is a very special liturgy during Lent that we have. It's a communion service. Okay. During the weekdays of Lent, we do not have the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass because the 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 Sacrifice of the Mass is very resurrectional for us. Recall, every Sunday is a little Easter for us. If you go to our Easter Liturgy and you go to church on Sunday, it's the same Liturgy. We have our Easter Liturgy every Sunday. Okay, that's why it takes us three hours. Um, so. Um, But this liturgy, during the weekdays of Lent, is a way to receive Holy Communion, to help us work with the fast, to get through the fast, uh, with the grace of God. It's absolutely beautiful, and it's attributed to Pope Gregory the Great. So it's a point of union between the East and the West, and that's why I have it here for you guys as an event. I've told you before, when we have good speakers coming, don't miss it. I've been right, haven't I? Oh. Marshner was great. Yes, O'Donnell. Yeah, we, okay. Thank you. Don't miss this. Okay, it's wonderful. It's it's just absolutely one of the most. I, Edmund, am I right? We just served last night. last night. We served the liturgy together, and it's just ah, oh, it's just so gorgeous. It's all dark in the church, candlelit, beautiful incense, and uh, it's just beautiful. So there you go. Uh, any questions on that? <laughs> Is it going to be? At Holy Transfiguration. What? It's at our church, which is on Lewinsville Road. I can give you directions or you can look it up on the internet. We're going to meet there at 6.45. I'm going to give a little 45-minute introduction. You can sit. And uh, and then the liturgy, 7.30 to 8.30. Most of it will be standing, except there will be chairs for the elderly. And uh, the infirm and the lazy. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then a little Lenten uh, meal afterwards because we have fasted together and then we break the fast together and have a little dinner together. So
1: why did you started? come
0: in a little bit late
4: because we'll be coming back from Dallas? Yes, no, you can. can. It's the
0: fourteenth. <laughs> <laughs> March fourteenth. Oh, my God. <laughs> but that's uh, a good question though. Some of you are like, I gotta work and I can't get back. You can come in late and then also you know my my thing. I mean, who cares you can hear me talk? You want to be there for the liturgy. That's the nice thing. Okay? Martin, and I'll explain you off. Of the lecture?
1: Is it going to be lecture?
0: No. No, I'm going to talk to you about what's going to happen so when you go in there, you don't freak out. Because <laughs> it looks a lot different. Uh, okay? okay? All right. Good. Any questions? I didn't think so.
1: <laughs>
0: We're ten minutes late. Carry on. You're your fault. <laughs> Do you have the audio ten on? Minutes. Audio is on. You remind me, I got an extra 10 minutes. Here's what I'm going to do tonight. We missed last week. So we're going to have our Bible study. We're going to finish. And then we're going to take a little break. And those people that want to leave can leave. And I'm going to keep going. And we go for another hour and cover whatever we want. It's like the five chosen people that want to stay and learn about God instead of going home watching TV. (laughs) Oh, I have one last thing to say. One last thing. Come on in. Shares all your friends. Um, you no, know we should do it. Anson is going to come. You guys know Anson, big burly guy. He's going to come. When he comes, every will stop and everybody will turn and say, Anson, nice to see you. All right, is that a deal? What color does he have? He's got blonde hair. I will stop. You'll know that. Okay, but I have one last thing to say and it'll take me three minutes to say it. And then we'll start. Okay? It's a little bit on the serious end, as this, Lent starts tomorrow. Most of the time as Catholics, this is my job as the catechizer guy, okay, so I'm doing my duty here, so if you don't need to hear it, plug your ears. Most of the time as Catholics, we say, oh, well, Ash Wednesday's coming, so on Ash Wednesday I'll decide what I'm going to do, and I don't give up chocolates, maybe. So Ash Wednesday, I'm going to get ashes, and then we have for chocolates anyways, and then maybe we keep it somewhat during Lent. Lent is a journey. It's a journey to the crucifixion, death, and resurrection of Christ. When you go on a journey, especially a difficult journey, you prepare beforehand. You pack your bags. You get yourself in order. You make the plan of your trip. Am I right? Unfortunately for Lent, we never do that. And so we get, on Ash, we get to Ash Wednesday and we say, okay, what can we give up? we will give up soda. When I was five years old, I gave up soda. Okay? <laughs> Our goal, Lent, is all about getting our will, our appetites in order. Okay, All year long, what have we done? Uh, something's presented to us, we go after it. We're hungry, we eat. We're, we're tired, we sleep. We're angry, we yell at somebody. right? We're thirsty, we have wine. Whatever it is, we go after it like that. And we end up becoming so attached to these lower appetites that they begin to rule us. <coughs> Okay? Lent is a time to gain control over those appetites, to say, my intellect is what rules me. Okay? The first time, in Lent, some of you may have made a good Lent before, the first time you look and you say, I'm not eating that. I'm hungry and I'm not going to eat. Is a time when you feel that crisis, that war within you between your soul and your body. Okay? It's a war going on. And Lent is a matter of getting to the crucifixion. So that we stand there at that moment and look at the cross of Christ. And we are so in control of ourselves. Hi. <laughs> you came at the most important point of what I was saying. <laughs> Anyways. The fact is that, that we are all as Christians about the resurrection but there's no way to rise with Christ unless we first die with him there's no way to die with Christ unless we first are nailed to the cross with him okay so unless we can stand on Good Friday and accept the cross of Christ which our nature revolts against no suffering uh, nah, uh-uh, we have to come over get over that so we have to say, what is it during Lent that is in my way? Extra baggage I've taken on during the year that I don't need for the journey. We get rid of it. Whether it's the television, whether it's meat. Food is a good thing. That's why the church always say it, because it's our ultimate, our lowest urge. Like, go eat. Always. So it's an easy way to say, uh-uh. I'm in control of my body. I'm not ruled by my body. I'm ruled by my intellect. Okay, I'm ruled by my soul. So Lent is that time that we gain control so that we look at the cross of Christ which by nature we revolt against by fallen nature we revolt against and if we've come into control of it then we can say yes to the cross of Christ, yes to the burial of Christ and therefore we will rise with him on Easter morning. But if our Lent isn't serious, Easter morning is going to be nonsense. If, our, if we're giving up chocolate for Lent then we're going to celebrate the Easter Bunny, Right? It's true. That's the most important thing. Or, you know, okay, the sermon was okay or it wasn't okay. I don't care whether the sermon's okay or not okay on Easter Day. Jesus Christ rises from the dead and I rise with him. Okay? So it's a time when we say, all of these, get rid of them. Get out of my life because I'm going to focus upon the resurrection. Okay? So what is it over the next couple hours when we think about it, that I can say, not for me, not right now. These are goods, but I don't need them in my life because they distract me. Is so, that okay? All right. All so. right. All right. So, Marty, you all you guys can live it up now, and then you can. All right, Ezra, Nehemiah, have you guys read some of this stuff. Open to Ezra. After First and Second Chronicles. <laughs> After first thing, he's right at the beginning. Ezra, where i right at the beginning. When we looked at chapter 1, verse 1, what does it say? Do you remember what happened? I'm sick, by the way, today, so I apologize if I'm, you know, I can't think straight. So, what happened? The beginning of Ezra, very important. Yeah, Cyrus, king of? And what does he do? Uh, okay. The, of the Lord. Well, don't just read it to me. Tell me what he did. Yeah, and he says you're free. Go, go back to the holy land and build a temple of God. Okay, King of Persia says it. So suddenly he's clearly had an experience. And who goes back? What important person goes back? Zerubbabel. Right. You should underline chapter two, verse two. Zerubbabel, in that same text you see Nehemiah. Nehemiah is the next book in the Bible. Okay, These important people return. We saw it in the Chronicles. Who is Zerubbabel? The king. But he's not declared as king there, right? Because he's playing it low. Okay? Zerubbabel is going to be the last known king of Israel in the Old Testament. And then they go completely underground. Okay, really, he's underground, too. We don't really know he's king, except that we have chronicles to work from. Okay, But they're going to go completely silent. And we're not going to know who they are, who the kings are. And the Jews are going to find themselves at the time of the Messiah looking for the Christ. A bit confused. Whatever happened to that promise of 2 Samuel 7? That the son of David would reign forever. Whatever happened to that promise? What happened to the covenant? But the faithful Jews knew they could trust God. And so they were looking for the king. Where is he? Okay, and we're going to find out what happens. But remember that name. Remember we saw all these guys, the whole line of salvation history. David, Solomon, and then actually I skipped a guy. Who's the next important guy at the division of the kingdoms? At the at the uh, Civil War, so Jeroboam. Jeroboam and Rehoboam, right? Rehoboam is the is in the, in the line here, remember? And Jeroboam's the other guy that takes the north. Jeconiah is the last king that we find before the Babylonian exile. Okay, so you got Jeconiah, and then you and then we come back, and Zerubbabel's our next big name we want to know. Okay. Um, Ezra and Nehemiah, the next two historical books of the Bible, give us this story of their return from Babylon and what happens. And just like the other stories of the Old Testament, some things are very good and some things are very bad. Okay, You would expect them that they would want to live the right life and they struggle with it and we see both sides of the the story happen. Uh, Chapter 7, verse 1. (laughs) <laughs> What's that? John's just, something oh, done. Chapter 7, verse first, first 1, Jamie. One uh, now, after this in the reign of... Thanks nice a so. That's all right. It's good, now, after this in the reign of... The king of Persia. The king of Persia, Ezra, the son of
5: Sariah, Hokiah, son of Shalom, the son of Zadok.
0: So on and so on so Verse
5: 6. six. <laughs> this Ezra went up from Babylonia. He was described scribe's children the law of Moses, which the Lord, the God of Israel, had given. And the king granted him all that he asked, for the hand of the Lord his God was upon him. And there went up also to Jerusalem in the seventh year of the king, some of the people of Israel, and some of the priests and the Levites, the singers and the gatekeepers, and the temple servants. And he came to Jerusalem in the fifth month, which was the seventh year of the king. For on the first day of the first month, he began to go up to Babylonia. And on the first day of the fifth month, he came to Jerusalem. For the good hand of his God was upon him. For Ezra...
0: Yeah, that's fine. Um, so, Ezra is a scribe. He's going to be the representative of the one who reads the law and brings the law back to the people. Okay? Keep your hand there in Ezra and flip over to Nehemiah. It's the next book, it's just a few pages. Nehemiah chapter 8. So, Ezra is a scribe, he's a scholar. Chapter 8, verse 1 of Nehemiah. <coughs> Mm-hmm. 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 Mrs. Curley, you want to read that oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> cool.
6: Now when the seven months came round, the Israelites being in their towns, all the people gathered as one man in the square in front of the water gate and asked the scribe Ezra to bring the book of the law of Moses, which Yahweh had prescribed for Israel accordingly on the first day of the seventh month the priests were brought the law the assembly consisting of men women and all those old enough to understand in the square in front of the water gate in the presence of the men and women and those old enough to understand he read from the book from dawn till noon all the people listened attentively to the book of the law
1: okay
0: skip to verse 13
6: the second day, the heads of families, the whole people, and the priests and the gathered round the scribe Ezra to study the words of the law. And written in the law that Yahweh had prescribed through Moses, they found that the Israelites were to live in shelters during the Feast of the Seventh Month. So they issued a proclamation and had it circulated in all their towns and in Jerusalem. Go into the hills and bring branches of olive Pine, myrtle, palm, and other leafy trees to make shelters, as it says in the book.
0: Okay, and so on. They're, they're they're celebrating the feast of booths, the feast of tabernacles. Very important in the New Testament. Who else says, "Let's make booths"? The transfiguration. Yeah, the transfiguration. Okay, yeah. so if we're going to try to understand the Transfiguration, got to know our Old Testament stuff on the on the feast of booths. We'll have plenty of time to deal with that in another Bible study. Okay. Um, What's interesting is that it, 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 it's almost like, remember their time when they lost the book, the, the book of the law? It's almost like here again, they found in the book of the law that in the seventh month they were supposed to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. So you get the sense that they really have separated themselves from God and now they're rediscovering their faith again. Okay? Um, look at Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 11. We're going to find who Nehemiah is. Chapter 2, verse 11.
2: I have a quick question yes. in my bible Ezra is um, referred to alternately as priest and as the scribe yes. is that supposed to be used as, as a synonym isn't there a difference between a priest and a scribe yeah except the priest
0: would normally be the most educated so it makes sense that he was both priest and, uh, and scribe so he was
2: actually a member then of the Levite
0: yes I'm most likely I, mean, I don't know where the text is but that's what I would guess Okay, here you go a piece of chocolate there you go. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Oh, I thought of this guy. Um, so they, okay, so there's this. What's that? Yes, I guess. I, do you want a piece of chocolate? I'm sorry. No?
2: Okay.
0: All right. Turn to Haggai and Zechariah, just before uh, Maccabees. So almost right at the end of the Old Testament. So Haggai so. It's right before Matthew Maccabees, Haggai and Zechariah <laughs> If you go to the old, end of your Old Testament, just work backwards What's that?
3: Or are we going to figure out who
0: Nehemiah was? That's Yeah, you said going to figure out who Nehemiah was we not read that? No. <laughs> we'll go back to it We're at Haggai, here you go
2: Sorry about
0: that, guys.
2: I'm sick. I, my, my. All
0: right. It turns out we're going to find out actually. I was supposed to that before. Let me just tell you that way we wouldn't have to go back to Nehemiah. Nehemiah is a builder, okay? And he is he is exiled, and he returns just like Ezra. Ezra returned. And Ezra returns to reveal the law to Israel, so Nehemiah returns to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, okay? So the story of Nehemiah is the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem, but everything's not okay. And we see in Haggai chapter 1, verse, I read from verse 7, and Cindy, you want to give that to us? Haggai, are you there? Oh, yeah, yeah Oh, sorry, Haggai chapter 1, verse seven. verse 7. And is it that far away? We're far away.
1: All right right. <laughs> We're If you don't have Haggai yet, look along with your
4: neighbor. Go ahead, answer. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider how you have fared. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build a house that I may take pleasure in it, and that I may appear in my glory, says the Lord.
0: Okay, that's a good point. Hold on, just a second. When the Babylonian exile took place, um, Book of Ezekiel, right, where the where the glory cloud departs from the temple. I think it's Ezekiel. The glory cloud of God departed from the temple, and look, if God, if it's not God's dwelling anymore, it's not what it was. Okay, And so the glory cloud departs. They come back to rebuild the temple. And, and all of this, that's what Cyrus told him to do anyways. And God says, my glory will return. Okay, there is this hope that God's dwelling will be with men again. Okay, go ahead. Mm-hmm.
4: You have looked for much, and lo, it came to little. And when you brought it home, it blew away. Why, says the Lord of hosts? Because of my house that lies in ruins, while you busy yourselves each with his own house, therefore the heavens above you have withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. So what's
0: going on? Yeah, they came back under Cyrus's orders, and suddenly there's famine, or there's drought, there's everything. Nothing's good. Okay, and they are saying, Lord, what's going on? And what does he say? You're going to your own houses and building them, and you're leaving my house in ruin. First come and rebuild my house, and then everything else will be okay. So many people say, oh, the Catholic Church, all these beautiful big churches, why don't they give it to the poor? You give glory to God first, and then everything is going to be okay. St. Francis, when he told his followers, you go out and you clean the churches, you buy gold vessels, you buy the best you can buy for the church, and nothing for yourself, you beg. Okay, so everything for the glory of God, and then everything else falls in place. Okay, but, um, why did I just say that? Oh, it's just, okay, fine. <laughs> um, even verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 17. Which one? Chapter, Haggai chapter 2, verse 17. Haggai chapter 17. I smote you and all the um, products of your toil with blight and mildew and hail, yet you did not return to me, says the Lord. Okay, and so on. But again, at the end of the prophecy, a promise that everything will be okay. The same happens with the book of Zechariah. Okay. You get, we don't have to look at it, but you get a number of, of situations that are taking place. They haven't rebuilt the walls of, the t- of Jerusalem. Okay. So you get these two books, Haggai and Zechariah, which fit into Ezra and Nehemiah. Okay. Ezra and Nehemiah give us our historical story, and then Haggai and uh, Zechariah fit into those and give us a little more detail. Okay. Any questions? Look at Nehemiah chapter. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Keep your hand. Wait. Yeah, go back to Nehemiah. You have the entire turn your Bible back and forth. Nehemiah chapter nine, verse thirty-six. Actually, before we look at that, keep
2: your finger there.
0: (laughs) Go back. It's not in my notes, but it's a good thing to do. Go back to Ezra um, chapter 3. Keep your hand there in Nehemiah, though. Chapter Chapter 3, verse 12. Mm -hmm. Well, we'll go back a little bit before that chapter verse 10 chapter 3 verse 10. And when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments came forward with trumpets and the Levites, the sons of Asa, with symbols to praise the Lord according to the direction of David, king of Israel. and they sing responsibly praising and giving thanks to, to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord had been laid. But many of the priests and the Levites, heads of the Father's houses, old men who had seen the first house, wept with a loud voice when they saw the foundation of the house being laid. Though many shouted aloud for joy, so that the people could not distinguish the sounds of joyful shout from the sound of the people's weeping. For the people shouted with a great shout and the sound was heard afar okay so what's going on they, the old men remember the glory of the former temple okay and now this temple being the foundation's being relayed and it's not what they remember okay and so there's both the excitement of the youth and the sadness of the elderly that remember okay so there's again good and bad but you have the promises in Ezra and Nehemiah that God says if you follow my commandments my glory will return to the temple and it will be greater than it was before okay um, look at Nehemiah chapter 13 verse 5 well we'll go from verse 1 Now, verse 4 <laughs> chapter 13 verse 4 sorry
2: well, <laughs> I don't know where I need to start
0: chapter 13 verse 4 Nehemiah 13 4 alright Go ahead, Anson.
4: Now, before this, Elias' the priest, who was appointed over the chambers of the house of our God and who was uh, connected with Tobiah, prepared for Tobiah a large chamber where they had previously put the cereal offering, the frankincense, the vessels, and the tithes of grain, wine, and oil, which were given by commandment to the Levites, singers and gatekeepers, and the contributions for the priests. Go ahead. While this was taking place, I was not in Jerusalem. For the thirty-second year of uh, yeah, King of Babylon, I went to the king, <laughs> and after some time, I asked leave of the king and came to Jerusalem. And I then discovered the evil that Eli- Eliashib had done for uh Where What? Where
1: are you at? So, yeah. So, oh, okay.
0: Did you read verse four? Alright, let's read (laughs) verse 4 again. Now, before this, the priest who was appointed over the chambers in the house of our God, who was connected with Tobiah, prepared for Tobiah a large chamber where they had previously put the cereal offering, the frankincense, and so on, in the house of God. So, what happens? They actually make a bedroom out of part of the temple. Okay, where the dwelling place of God now ends up becoming kind of like an apartment house. Okay, not a good idea. So i just pointing that out to you. Um, verse, well, look at verse 10. I also found out that the portions of the Levites had not been given to them. Verse 15. In those days, I saw in Judah men treading wine presses on the Sabbath and bringing in heaps of grain and loading them on asses and so on. And, and I mean, it's bad news. Okay, verse uh, 17. Then I remonstrated. Re, re, what is it? Remonstrated? Rem, whatever. Remonstrate. The nobles of Judah and said to them, What is this evil thing which you are doing, profaning the Sabbath day? And so on. Okay, it keeps on like that. So there's good going on, and again, there's bad going on, the evil taking place. Um, the return happens from 538, approximately 538, to 430. Okay? BC, and it's during this time period that you get all these guys. You get um, well, you had your little piece of paper that I handed out to you. If you still have it, okay. Who do you get during that time period? Haggai, Zechariah. Just before that, you got Ezekiel, Daniel, and Baruch. Okay. Right under Nehemiah, you'll see another name there. What is it? Malachi. Malachi. Go find Malachi. It's again just before Maccabees. In fact, it's the book just before Matthew. It's very short. Malachi is the last prophet of the Old Testament. Believe it or not, my friends, we are nearing the New Testament.
2: Just,
0: just before it. maccabees is the last two books of the Bible. We'll talk about that in a second.
2: Uh, Malachi.
0: Oh, you do? Sometimes your Bibles switch them up.
1: <laughs>
0: okay. This is the one time when it might be helpful for you to look in your index. I hate doing that, but whatever. You don't have to find it because you can just listen. <laughs> chapter 4, verse 5. Some of you say to yourselves, I don't have chapter 4, do, do you? Right, I don't have. You have chapter
2: 3, verse?
0: Yes, I have chapter three. 33, something like that? No. No? no? So, wait, look at the last verse of it. Look at, look at your last verse, okay, that's what we're going for, all right. Sorry, I was, I was referencing this text today with the sister. So I teach the Missionaries of Charity on Tuesdays. So when I'm up here teaching, I'm up, I already did an hour and a half of them, and then so it's kind of crazy. Um, chapter four, verse five: the last prophecy of the Old Testament, the last prophet of the Old Testament, the last prophecy of the Old Testament. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the land of the cursed. I do chapter you, you 4, how The last verse in Malachi. 23. Uh-huh. Verse 24. Okay. Okay. Where do we hear that before in the New Testament? I will turn the hearts of the children to their fathers, the hearts of the fathers to their children. What's that? Yeah, regarding John the Baptist. Right? And what does Jesus say about John the Baptist? He is the Elijah that was to come. It's from this prophecy. Okay? It's from this prophecy. If you don't have it, don't worry. We can work on it a little bit later that the Jews are waiting for the Messiah to come, okay? They're still in bondage, in a sense. They've come back from, uh, from Babylon, but they're still under the rulership of Persia, okay? They're not released from bondage. Eventually, they're going to go under the rulership of Greece, and then eventually, again, to Egypt, and then eventually, again, to Syria. They become constant, and then eventually, the Romans, Okay? this constant oppression of the people of God and so even though they're in the Holy Land they're still in bondage in the Holy Land and so they're looking to God to free them to send them the Messiah what does Messiah mean? translate it for me what's that? anointed one anointed one. Not saved. anointed one, yes and who is the anointed one of Israel in the Old Testament? The king. the king. Okay, whenever you get a Hebrew word or some funny word, translate it for yourself. It make such a difference. Okay? So whenever you see Messiah, stop. Translate king. God's gonna send the king. Okay, he's gonna send another king in his line to free them. The Christ, Christos, is just a Greek for Messiah, anointed one. He's the king. Okay? And it's from this prophecy that they expect Elijah to return. And so what happens when John's down there baptizing the Jordan, why do they go say to him, are you Elijah? Right? we have to talk right now about why he says no, that's for the Gospel of John, we're going to do that after Easter. Okay? But they're looking for the Messiah to return because of this oppression of the people. So you have it during this time in, was it, 320? Um... I had a note here somewhere that uh just a minute. Yeah, 325, a great man dies. So sometime before that. He lives. (laughs) (laughs) He was an emperor, a king, a great king. What was his name? Caesar. No. Before that. (laughs) Alexander the Great. (laughs) Alex the Great.
1: Okay, and he is, he comes from where? Uh, yeah, Greece. from
0: Greece. Greece. Okay? I'm going to ask you to turn to 1st Maccabees. Now hold on, before you turn there. Some people do not have 1st and 2nd Maccabees in their Bible. Or, it's put in a different place in your Bible. Okay? It's called the Apocrypha. Why is that? I'll tell you. If you didn't want to know, okay? In the early church, different books of the Bible were attested to with different, uh, in a sense, uh, attested to like... This is definitely scripture, okay, with varying degrees. Okay, Genesis, yeah, that's in, right? Whenever anybody gave a list of the, it's not like, we have this idea that, you know, Jesus Christ rose from the dead and suddenly we had the Catechism of the Catholic Church. It wasn't like that. We didn't even have a Bible, we didn't have a New Testament in in this sense, okay? The New Testament existed up here, it was oral tradition before it was ever written tradition. Okay, so different books were attested to with varying degrees of whatever you want to call it. Okay, there were actually four canons at the time of Christ, four lists of the Old Testament. Okay, there was the Jewish canon, the Qumran canon, um, the Septuagint, and I had another one on there. Anyway, it doesn't matter. The Samaritan canon. What was the Samaritan canon? The Samaritans, you remember up in the north? They rejected all the prophets. They only had the first five books of the Old Testament. So we had this idea that everything was set. It wasn't. Okay? The church stepped in to clarify the matter. What books are in, what books aren't? Which ones are Scripture, which ones aren't? Okay? It wasn't all that clear. Unfortunately, when Luther came, he threw some out. Seven books of the Old Testament, seven books of the New Testament, originally. Martin Luther. Okay. Maccabees is one of those books. Sirach is another one. Why? Okay. It's a good. That's a good question. Why? I was just talking to my brother about it. why. Part of it may have been for theological reasons that the text didn't fit his theology. Maccabees may have been one of those. Okay. In Maccabees, we get a clear, we get clear uh, expression of uh, prayer for the dead.
3: And whether
0: or not he did, he had to do make a <laughs> decision. <laughs> he, he broke from the church. Okay? Uh, he made, I mean, why he did it originally, we don't really know. But he did do it. Okay. The point I want to make to you is this. If the Bible alone is our sole authority, we've got a problem. Because nowhere in the Bible does it list the books of the Bible. So how am I to know what books of the Bible are in and which are not? Okay. It then becomes subjective. For Luther, it was subjective. For Calvin, it was subjective. If the book inspired faith it was sacred scripture. I got a problem, because there's a lot of books I've read that inspire faith, and they're not the Bible. Okay? Faith alone, if it inspires faith, it's sacred scripture. Okay? The Bible alone. The problem is, there's nowhere to look unless you believe in the historical in the historical reliability of the sacred scriptures. And in the sacred scriptures, Jesus Christ founded a church. And that church is said to be the bulwark of truth. Okay? For 1,500 years, after the church clarified what texts were in, which were not, no Christians ever doubted it. It was fine. Maccabees was in. Okay? But Luther threw it out. Okay? So, for Catholics, we have what would have been considered in an early church... Part of the sacred scriptures by some attested to by some and not attested to by others. Okay, but when the church finally stepped in to say this is in and this is not, Maccabees is in. Okay. Any questions? All right. When did the church step in? What's that? When did the church step into it? that? Uh, First time we get a clear Declaration 382, Pope Damasus, Council of Rome, 393, Council of Hippo 397, Council of Carthage, 405, Pope Innocent, and 1442, Council of Florence, Trent, Vatican I. Okay? So it's pretty consistent. I mean, once it's declared, boom. Okay? There it is. Boom, there it is. Okay. Alright. Maccabees. Chapter 1, verse 1. First Maccabees, chapter 1, verse 1. It's a little hot. You guys want to open the door? Yeah? It's not too cold out there, Thomas. All right. <laughs> Jamie, Jamie, go ahead and read that for us nice and loud. After Alexander, son of Philip, the
5: Messianian, who came from the land of freedom, defeated Darius, king of the Persian, and he (laughs) succeeded him as king. He had previously become king of Greece. He fought many battles, conquered strongholds, and put to death the kings of the earth. He advanced to the ends of the earth and plundered many nations. When the earth became quiet before him, he was exalted, and his heart was lifted up. He gathered a very strong army and ruled over countries, nations, and princes. And
0: they became a tributary to him. Okay. Look, Alexander <clears throat> Alexander the Great conquers the entire world. He was an amazing man. In A short couple of years, he just goes absolutely, he goes into India and stuff. I mean, it's crazy the amount of land he conquers. But the problem is that when he died, because he, he died suddenly, he also he got sick one night and boom, he died. He was a young man. His, he hadn't left anybody in charge. Okay? Are you guys freezing now yet? No. No, okay. okay. Um, he has five generals. Okay? And those five generals break his empire apart. And they all take pieces of it. Okay? The most powerful one goes down to Egypt and rules Egypt. And his name is? Ptolemy. Ptolemy. Is that how you spell it? Ptolemy? Something like that? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? Look at Second Maccabees chapter one. Hold hold First Maccabees to yourself there. If you Go ahead, Anson.
4: The Jewish brethren in Jerusalem, those in the land of Judea. The Jewish brethren in Egypt, greeting and good peace. Okay, so you end
1: up
0: with this community down in Egypt. Partly during the Babylonian exile, they end up down there. Okay, but also partly because Ptolemy ends up ruling this whole area down there, and he ends up controlling the holy land.
2: When do you read this?
0: Chapter uh, Second Maccabees, chapter one, verse one. As a side note, nice little story for us. Let's take a little quick little break there. And look at chapter 2, since we're right there. 2 Maccabees chapter 2, verse 1. One finds in the record that Jeremiah the prophet ordered those who were being deported. When, when was there a deportation? It's the Babylonian exile. Okay, during the Babylonian exile, during Jeremiah. Okay. What's that? Yeah, some 5. Yes, yes, yes. Right. The, uh, Jeremiah had ordered those who were being deported to take some of the fire, as has been told, and that the prophet, uh, after giving them the law, instructed those who were being deported not to forget the commandments of the Lord. The fire with the sacred fire in the temple. Okay? Nor to be led astray in their thoughts upon seeing the gold and silver statues of their, of their adornment. And with other similar words, he exhorted them that the law should not depart from their hearts. It was also in the writing that the prophet, having received an oracle, ordered that the tent and the ark should follow with him, and that he went out to the mountain where Moses had gone up and had seen the inheritance of God. And Jeremiah came and found a cave, and he, bought, and he brought there the tent and the ark and the altar of incense, and he sealed them up in the entrance. Some of those who followed him came up by, to mark the way, but could not find it. When Jeremiah learned of it, he rebuked them and declared, That place shall be, unknown until, shall, shall be unknown until God gathers people together again and shows his mercy. Okay? It's only in the book of Maccabees that we find out that oral tradition among the Jews. Okay? So, first, it was oral tradition, and then written down, finally, in the book of Maccabees for us. Okay, yeah, go
3: ahead. Bring it back
0: later. I'm getting lost too. Okay, so this yeah, so the ark, I'm sorry, so we're going back in our memory a little bit, okay, and to this Babylonian exile. You remember, they trashed the temple. So before they trashed it, he says, Get it, take this, the holy things and go and hide them up in the mountains, okay? And they take them up and they hide them there, and the place became unknown to anyone. The ark of the covenant was then lost. When the temple was rebuilt... The Ark of the Covenant was not there. The glory of God never returned. If you walked into the Holy of Holies after the Babylonians, after Cyrus said go build the temple and they built it, you walked in the Holy of Holies, there was nothing there. The Ark of the Covenant was gone. Okay? It never returned. Where is it? Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones has
1: (laughs) it.
0: Yeah, the Egyptian, the Coptic church has a monastery, and they believe they have the true Ark of the Covenant. And if you see a, a, a Coptic cross, okay, usually it kind of has this little star thing up at the top. I'm a bad artist. Wow. <laughs> and it's got a little thing, a little flashing thing. It comes down, okay? And then at the bottom, it has a square. It's the Ark of the Covenant. But like every Coptic cross you see, on little square though, They're very proud that they have the Ark of the Covenant. Unfortunately, they don't have the Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> <laughs> what about a cross with a circle so underneath? How do you know they don't have I a mean, circle underneath? Well, actually, I've, I've got yeah. an European Coptic cross, and it, it doesn't have a box on the bottom. It doesn't? No, it just has a circular. It was actually for a staff. Oh, well. But it's still sure. not. Anyways, you go look it up to- on the internet. You type in Coptic cross, <laughs> I guarantee it'll come up.
1: <laughs> All right. Yeah.
0: All right, what, all right, fine. We're having to Why not? Why not for the covered it? This is Where is it? You
5: no. No. You your, yeah.
0: no.
3: What is it? in
4: the
0: temple. It's
3: in the In the Yeah, and then. Heaven. What's that? Why in
0: heaven? Mary. Mary, chapter 12, book of Revelation. Don't turn there right now. Sorry. Wait a minute. Which book last thing are you telling us? What happened to the law of the Old Testament? up over here. What happened to the... The word became flesh. The New Testament is the incarnation of the Old Testament. What was written on dead paper in the Old Testament is alive and walking among us in the person of Jesus Christ. The Ark of the Covenant, which was wood, is now the living person of the Blessed Virgin Mary, Ark of the New Covenant, which is Jesus Christ. And when John looks up into yes. heaven, he sees, he sees the Ark.
3: Well, this is for us, but not for the Jews. <laughs> <laughs>
0: the truth is true. All right? The heavens, what does he see? I say, He says, I see the ark of the covenant. I see a lady clothed with the sun and the whole bed. Huh? Right? Mary is the new ark of the covenant, in flesh, in part. But the old ark of the covenant is in, but what happened to the old law? Yes. The old law is inside, it's Jesus Christ who is the new law, but he's now in flesh, He's brought it, he's brought God's will and stood, God's will now stands among us in the person of Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So my theory is that the moment of, that Mary said yes to the angel, yes to God, and became the Ark of the Covenant, the old Ark of the Covenant literally was no more.
3: It is the manger. What's that? <laughs>
0: the manger. That Okay. That's enough nonsense. Alexander the Great, 325. In 198,
1: 325,
0: oh, that's bad. Let's see what
1: 325, in 198,
0: a very bad man comes on the same scene. Antiochus Epiphanes. Epiphanes, whatever. Know. Well, you might know that, somebody. Antiochus Epiphanes, 198. He comes from the north, he's controlling Syria. Okay, Syria was another part of the empire of Alexander that broke apart and Antiochus Epiphanes came to power and he rocked everyone. He was a very bad man. And when he came to the Holy Land, he did a very bad thing. (gasps)
1: Good.
0: (laughs) Turn back to 1st Maccabees chapter 1
1: First Maccabees,
0: sorry, chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse Yeah, I'm looking if I got another <laughs> <on just> here. <gasps> chapter 2, verse 1. Mary, you want to read that for us?
2: you got, married? A Catholic In those days, Matthias, son of John, son of Simeon, a priest of the family of Jairus, moved from Jerusalem and settled in Madin. He had five sons: John, surnamed Gadi; Simon, called Thassi; Judas, called Maccabeus, Eleazar, called Aberon, and Jonathan, called Asaph. He saw the blasphemies being committed in Judah and Jerusalem, and he said, Alas, why was I born to see this, the ruin of my people, the ruin of the holy city, and to live there when it was given over to the enemy, the sanctuary given over to aliens. Okay, verse 15. The king's officers who were enforcing the apostasy came to the town of Modin to make them offer sacrifice. Many from Israel came to them, and Mattathias and his sons were assembled. Then the king's officer spoke to Matthias as follows. You are a leader, honored and great in this town, and supported by sons and brothers. Now be the first to come and do what the king commands, as all the Gentiles and the people of Judah and those that are left in Jerusalem have done. Then you and your sons will be numbered among the friends of the king, and you and your sons will be honored with silver and gold and many gifts. Okay.
0: Will you guys forgive me something? I'm going to confess to you something, as I forgot a very important text we had to read. We'll come back to that point. Turn back one chapter. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> chapter one, actually verse ten. I'm gonna scan it for you we do it real quick. It book? won't be confusing, I promise. Which book? First Maccabees. So we have the same situation, right? Antiochus, the whole bit. 198,
2: look at this, verse 10. Sorry, uh, one, verse
0: 10. First Maccabees chapter one, verse ten. First Maccabees chapter one, verse ten. Okay. at the beginning of 1st Maccabees they talked about Alexander and his five generals by verse 10 we're to 198 in Antiochus from them came forth the sinful root from those five generals Antiochus Epiphanes son of Antiochus the king he had been a hostage in Rome he began to reign the 100th stone verse 11 in those days lawless men came forth from Israel and misled many saying let us go make a covenant with the Gentiles round about us for since we separated from them many evils have befallen us Verse 14, so they built a gymnasium in Jerusalem according to Gentile customs and removed the marks of circumcision. I don't know how you remove circumcision, but...
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and abandoned the Holy Covenant. They joined with the Gentiles and sold themselves to do evil. Oh my gosh, this is bad news. <laughs> verse 16, when Antiochus saw that his kingdom was established, he determined to become king of the land of Egypt, and so on. So he goes down to verse 20. After subduing Egypt, Antiochus returned to what um, in the 140 third year. He went up to Israel and came to Jerusalem with a strong force. He arrogantly entered the sanctuary and took the golden altar and the lampstand. Remember, all this stuff had been returned with Cyrus. Okay? He took the, also the table, the bread pre, uh, presents, and the cups, and so on. And so on. Well, you can imagine what's going on, right? I mean, he destroys, he just rocked, he just totally, he sets up another altar in the temple and starts sacrificing the false gods. Okay, sets up pagan idols and the whole bit. Okay, bad news. Okay, so look, now we're going to go back to my, before I made the mistake. Okay, chapter 2, verse 1. And what happens? Matthias comes on the scene. Matthias and his sons. Okay, and one of his sons' names is? Maccabeus. The Maccabees. Aha. The Maccabees rock. All right? Uh... Why do they call
4: different things than they are? What? Like Judah calls Maccabees, Simon calls the
0: something. Oh, um, yeah, because they're being they're being Hellenized by the Greeks, so they have a Hebrew name and a Greek name. It's the same way with Azariah,
3: Mishael, and Azariah. Azariah, Sha, An- no, Sha
0: is the Babylonian name,
3: An- right? Hananiah,
0: right? Exactly, and they have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are their. Babylonian names. Okay? Alright. Chapter two, verse fifteen.
3: <clears throat> who
0: was reading this? I was Okay, go ahead, Mary. Yeah, read verse fifteen.
1: Yeah,
2: The king's officers who were enforcing the apostasy came to the town of Monim to make them offer sacrifice. Many from Israel came to them, and Matthias and his sons were assembled. Then the king's officers spoke to Matthias as follows. You are a leader, honored and great in this town, and supported by sons and brothers. Now be the first to come and do what the king commands, as all the Gentiles and the people of Judah and those that are left in Jerusalem have done. Then you and your sons will be numbered among the friends of the king, and you and your sons will be honored with silver and gold and many gifts. Keep going. But Matthias answered and this said. Is one of the th- best stories in the whole Bible. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Matthias answered and said in a loud voice. Even if all the nations that live under the rule of the king obey him and have chosen to obey his commandments, every one of them abandoning the religion of their ancestors, I and my sons and my brothers will continue to live by the covenant of our ancestors. Far be it from us to desert the law and the ordinances, we will not obey the king's words by turning aside from our religion to the right hand or to the left. When he had finished speaking those words, a Jew came forward in the sight of all to offer sacrifice on the altar in Modane according to the king's command. When Matthias saw it, he burned with zeal and his heart was stirred. He gave vent to his righteous anger. He ran and killed him on the altar. Yeah, let's <laughs> <You're sure. laughs> <No. That's> go. <laughs> he killed the king's officer who was forcing them to sacrifice and he tore down the altar. And
0: this guy's serious. All <laughs> right, so what happens? The Maccabees go into revolt. A bunch of people go with them. Okay? And they start to restore Israel. Okay? Single-handedly. One thing this is to teach us something. Because someday we're all going to be separated and then everybody's going to try to take us over and they're going to kill all the Christians. And we're only the only ones going to be left. And we got to be prepared to, to go after them and take back the world for God. Alright? <laughs> you guys are saying a psycho. It's going to happen. You watch. It's going to happen. You know, in, in, in Spain, um, yeah, and then we'll stop, to take a break. Anybody needs to leave from In Spain, Islam came in in a couple of years. They took over the entire peninsula of Spain in a couple years. One man named Palayo, who's a royal man, he broke rank because they took his sister into the harem of, this, of the guy that was leading the charge of, of the Islamic thing. One man, and he and he uh, snuck away and he took a couple guys with him and they went up to a cave in a mountain and they hid out there and, they, and uh, the Muslim leader found out and they got a bishop who would come to their side, bad bishop, and he went up there and he says, Palio, what are you going to do? Come down. All of Spain has gone over to the, to the new people. they treat us well. Look how we live, all this stuff, right? And Palio says, from this cave, Spain will be re- re-won for Christ. And from at that moment, they took a bunch of boulders and started throwing them down, and they killed half the army, and there was a huge earthquake, and the rest of the army was wiped out. From that cave... Seven hundred years later, was taken back for Christ. Oh, That's a All right, let's take a let's take a little two two minute break. Get some wine, wherever you need to leave them. Go ahead. Where else are you gonna go? You know, we're in the of Come on, it's party crowd, I was going to Have a beer, have some wine. Tomorrow's Lent. Here we go. We one in the morning. My poor wife. Chocolate. Thank you. Mary. Here we go. Start Who else wants one? Some chocolate. You want toasty pot? How did toasty Did you? You were the new drummer. What's a sweet pot? I got sweet pots. What is that? Things you can't have very late. All right, Maccabees. All right, all right, all right. Who else wants to play? Oh, we got a juggler in the room. This is going to get interesting. All right. Let's get it all. Chapter 4, let's go, let's go, let's go. They tear down the altar, they go crazy, they take Jerusalem back. Maccabees chapter 4, verse... We can't have you. Come on, don't do it. <laughs> First
1: Maccabees. Chapter... First
0: Maccabees, chapter... Not you, man. First Maccabees.
2: Kind of
0: you I got some that Tylenol, you know, stuff. Trust, I gave up drugs a long time ago.
3: Wow.
0: Chapter four verse thirty six. Then Judas. Remember Judas is one of the brothers. Judas ends up taking over. Judas Maccabeus becomes a great leader after his father dies. Okay, His father dies in, in like chapter 2. When I found in which
2: chapter? First Maccabees,
0: you were gone. Chapter 4. First Maccabees, chapter 4. Here we are. You guys ready? Mm-hmm. Yeah. On your marks. Chapter 4, verse 36. And then Judas and his brothers, the Maccabees, behold, it said, behold our... Enemies are crushed. Let us go up to cleanse the sanctuary and dedicate it. And so all the army assembled and they went up to Mount Zion and they saw the sanctuary desolate and the altar profane and the gates burned. In the courts they saw bushes sprung up in the thicket and so on. The chambers of the priests in ruins. They rent their clothes and mourned and so on. Verse 42 He chose blameless priests according to the law and they cleansed the sanctuary removed the defiled stones to an unclean place and, they, and so on. Okay? What feast is this for the Jews? Hanukkah. Hanukkah. Okay, again, the importance in the book of Maccabees. Okay, if you want to look at 2 Maccabees chapter 10, it talks about it in a little more detail. Not right now. Okay, but it talks about it. 2 Maccabees doesn't follow 1 Maccabees like just in its historical thing, it fits in during the temple cleansing. Right at about that time, that's when 2 Maccabees fits into the story. Okay? So they cleanse the temple, and um, let's see, First Maccabees chapter twelve. So Judas, um, Judas Maccabeus ends up, he ends up dying. Okay, uh, Demetrius becomes king. A man named Demetrius. Oh Jesus. In 162, do you guys even care about these names? Yeah. Yes. Right. In 162, and a guy named Nicanor, general, general. Nicanor goes and, and makes war against the Maccabees, okay, uh, is the general. He ends up killing Judas Maccabeus. Okay, Jonathan follows. Jonathan is another one of his sons. Okay, um, and by the time Jonathan comes around, a man named Trifo—come on, can I get some more markers? Oh, I've got four of them right here. <laughs> <laughs> Trifo you becomes general. Okay. <laughs> And Jonathan ends up leading the Maccabees.
1: Okay, in chapter 12, verse uh, 39. Chapter 12, verse 39.
0: Then Trifo attempted... I'm sorry, go ahead, Mary.
2: Then Trifo attempted to become king in Asia and put on the crown and to raise his hand against king Antiochus. He feared that Jonathan might not permit him to do so, but might make war on him. So he kept seeking to seize and kill him, and he marched out and came to beth Jonathan went out to meet him with 40,000 picked warriors, and he came to Bethshon. When Trypho saw that he had come with a large army, he was afraid to raise his hand against him. So he received him with honor and commended him to all his friends, and he gave him gifts and commanded his friends and his troops to obey him as they would himself. Okay, verse
0: 46, so he entices him. Okay, verse 46.
2: Jonathan trusted him and did as he said. He sent away the troops, and they returned to the land of Judah. He kept with himself three thousand men; two thousand of whom he left in Galilee, while one thousand accompanied him. But when Jonathan entered Ptolemais, the people of Ptolemais closed the gates and seized him, and they killed him with the sword. All who had entered with him.
0: Okay. So then another brother of the Maccabees gets murdered. Okay. Simon ends up taking over. I don't even know where I'm supposed to be by this, but Simon, one of the brothers, takes over. Okay. And becomes high priest. Uh, in his brother's stead. Chapter 16, verse 11.
2: Now Ptolemy, son of Abubas, had been appointed governor over the plain of Jericho.
0: Now Ptolemy, this is not the old Ptolemy here. It's another guy. Go ahead. He
2: had a large store of silver and gold, for he was son-in-law of Bob, high priest. His heart was lifted up, He determined to get control of the country, and made treacherous plans against Simon and his sons to do away with them. Now Simon was visiting the towns of the country and attending to their niece, and he went down to Jericho with his son Matthias, and Judas, in the 177th year, in the 11th month, which is the month of Shabbat. The son of Abubas received them treacherously in the little stronghold called Doh, which he had built. He gave them a great banquet and hid men there. When Simon and his sons were drunk, Ptolemy and his men, up, took their weapons, rushed in against Simon in the banquet hall, and killed him and his two sons, as well as some of the servants.
0: Okay. <coughs> okay. So we had Matthias. We had Judas. Maccabeus. Okay, we had... Um, uh, who else did we look at? Jonathan. 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 And then we had Simon. Simon ends up getting murdered. Okay? Turn your page the book ends, right? Alright. End of the Old Testament. We end the Old Testament kind of in a difficult spot, okay? Again, the Jews are getting, they've got the land back, however, right? Their leaders keep on getting murdered, yeah? Did somebody say something? No, I'm hearing voices, okay. Um. So again, this, this balance ends up after Simon is killed, um, his son, John Hyrcanus, He's not in the Bible. Hyrcanus Ends up taking it. actually he may be right there. Yeah, he is. He is? He's somewhere here. Yeah, I think you're right. He's mentioned right at the end. Yeah, the first chapter 16, verse 1. John went up from Ghazra and reported to Simon's chapter, father chapter 16, verse 1. Okay, So you get this man, John Hyrcanus who rises up to, to lead the Jews. The problem is that as our time goes on, the Maccabees become, in a sense, obsessed with war and not so obsessed with following the law. Okay? And so they kind of get secularized. They end up making all sorts of uh, deals with other, other people, just like you saw, right? They keep falling in, into this trap Look at real quick, first Matthew's chapter eight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Annie you wanna read are you there? No. No, I'm not No, understand. okay. Who wants to read oh, Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. First one? Yeah, chap yeah, first one.
3: Judas had heard of the reputation of the Romans. They were valiant fighters and acted to all who took their side. They established a friendly alliance with all who applied to them. He was also told of their battles and the brave deeds that they had performed against the Gauls, conquering them and forcing them to pay tribute. They had gotten possession of the silver and gold mines in Spain, and by planning and persistence had conquered the whole country, although it was very remote from their own.
0: OK, so what ends up happening? Judas ends up making a covenant with them. Okay, here you go. <clears throat> in. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I okay, chapter 12, verse 1. <laughs> um. <laughs> chapter 12, verse 1. Go ahead. Sorry.
3: Not as cool. um, when Jonathan saw that the times favored him, he sent selected men to Rome to confirm and renew his friendship with the Romans.
0: Okay, you see, so first of all, Judas does it, then, uh, then Jonathan does it. Chapter 14.
3: In the year 172, King Demetrius assembled his army and marched into Media to obtain help so that he could fight Trifo. When Artaxerxes, king of Persia and Media, heard that Demetrius had invaded his territory, and sent one of his generals to take him alive. The general went forth and defeated the army of Demetrius. He captured him and brought him to Artaxerxes, who put him in prison.
0: Okay, in verse 16, it was heard in Rome and as far away as far, and so on. I, I don't know why I had to read that. Actually, it's a misreference. But the point is that they, uh, that Simon ends up also making this covenant with Rome, the Romans. Okay, is you can see what's going to happen is eventually Rome's going to take over. as, as Rome starts to come into power, um, these five generals of Alexander and their descendants end up kind of falling apart. They end up fighting against each other. Okay, and there's all sorts of treachery. That's what First Maccabees is all about. Okay, and eventually Rome comes in. It's a superpower now. Comes in and takes control of everything. Okay. Um, Okay, we're going to get out of the Old Testament because there's this time, an intertestamental period, that we've got to cover. So there's nothing we're going to look at in your Bible. So I, I apologize for that. But a couple things we need to know. John Hyrcanus. Remember, I told you they became obsessed with war, more important to to conquer than to follow the law of God. So John Hyrcanus ends up going down. If you still have your map that I gave you guys a long time ago, you can look at it. Oh, it might not be on that. Uh, it'd be the big map of, of the whole land. Can I see it? For those people that have it. Um, <laughs> Hold on, I'm looking to see if it's even helpful. Do you guys see Edom on there? Well, if you look, you see Med, uh, uh, you see Edom. Yes. Where is it? Town of Edom. Assyrian.
4: Do you see Assyrian? Okay.
0: Look. Yeah. Just when the Red Sea comes up with that tip of water that kind of comes up there. Okay. Isn't that where it was? Yeah. Do you see Assyrian? Do you see the word Assyrian? I don't know, I can't figure it out. All right, listen. John Hyrcanus goes down south in the land of Edom, the Edomites. Okay? They're descendants of Esau, they're not Jews. He goes down and conquers them. Okay? And he forces them to be circumcised and to convert to Judaism. The first time that we know that the Jews actually went and forced converted anybody. Okay? It's important because a certain man ends up a descendant or ends up a Jew because of that conversion and his name is Herod.
1: Where does he go? To
3: a place called Edom. Edom.
0: To Edom, okay, down south. That's why Herod ends up a Jew. Herod is not originally Jewish, and that's in the natural sense of. Okay? Alright. So how, how did they know that that's what happened? That's there's also some other historical evidence from this time period that we have to rely upon. Okay. Um, John Hyrcanus ends up having a son. I'm going to go upwards because it's easier. Okay. His name is. You guys can pronounce it. Aristobulus. <laughs> the first Aristobulus, the first. Okay. He reigns from 104. 103, very short. But he goes up north and conquers Galilee. Galilee's up in the north. Okay? The the area of Galilee would have been what?
3: Israel.
0: Israel, which would have been Samaritan. Right? But he goes up there and extends the the kingdom up north ends up conquering Galilee. That's why in the time of Christ he goes up to there and there's Jews all around. Okay? Alright. Um... Aristobulus ends up uh, dying, and his brother takes over. His brother's name is, i am not going to write it there—Alexander Janaeus. Okay, he reigns till 76 A.D. He has himself crowned king as well as high priest. Bad idea. Okay, so you see this idea, this power struggle that they're trying to make, this make a name for themselves. Remember, way back in the first couple classes, the idea of making a name for yourself. Okay. His widow—we're getting somewhere. Don't worry. Alexander's widow, Queen Alexandra, ends up ruling for a while. She has two sons by him, and their names are... Alright. Uh, let's the back of these over here. Their names are... Two important guys. Aristobulus II. Okay, and Hyrcanus. He's the second too because we have John Hyrcanus. Okay, Hyrcanus the second. Hyrcanus the second. I know this gets a little bit tedious, guys. has a um, a counselor, and his name is Antipater. You guys ever heard that name? Okay. Hyrcanus ends up being kind of a puppet king to him. Okay. But there's a, there's a struggle for power between these two brothers. Okay? Nobody knows who to follow. The Romans are becoming more powerful. And right about this time, a Roman general comes into the area up north in Syria, and his name is Pompey. Okay? Pompey comes in north of the Holy Land, and these two brothers flee to him. They go begging, make me king, make me king, okay? Because Pompey is an extremely powerful general. And Pompey says, take it easy, let me think about it, okay? He hadn't decided between either of them. What happens? This guy, a or whatever his name is, freaks out, and he goes back to Jerusalem, closes the gates, and says, "Defend Jerusalem." Okay. Now Pompey sees what happens, and so he takes his army and he marches to Jerusalem. And this guy bails out of Jerusalem. Okay, he sees what's going on, and he gets out. Okay.
1: <laughs>
0: but the people of Jerusalem stayed. To defend the Holy Land, defend the Jerusalem, the Holy City, and the Temple. Okay. Doctor Carroll, I have his book. i was going to read right from him, but I have a quote here, anyways. Doctor Carroll, before, uh, founding president of Princeton College, wrote a nice series of history books, and this is what he says about that about that time. He says that Pompey and all of his army besieged Jerusalem for I think it was three months. Okay, yeah, three months. They finally broke in on a Sabbath, killing 12,000 of the defenders, who fought right up to the altar of sacrifice itself. When at last the carnage ended, Pompey stood facing the mysterious black curtain cube, the Holy of Holies, containing he knew not what. Pompey walked up to the Holy of Holies and drew aside the curtain the first Gentile to touch it since the profanations of Antiochus Epiphanes 101 years before. Within, he saw nothing. The stone tablets of the Ten Commandments inscribed in Sinai, which had once been there enshrined in the Ark of the Covenant, had long since dis- disappeared, lost in the Babylonian sack over a half a millennium before. In all probability, Pompeii knew nothing of them. And the strange... Avoid. We do not know what he saw and did not see in the temple. But he ordered the sacrifices resumed, confirmed Hyrcanus as high priest and ethnarch, but not king, and prepared for his return to Rome. What's that sound like? Remember Cyrus? Okay, just out of the blue, these guys suddenly, what they saw, we do do not know. But God did something with them. And he turns around after slaughtering 12,000 of the Jews and says, start sacrificing here again. And he walks away. Okay? And the sacrifices are resumed and Jerusalem is taken for Rome. I've got to find my carol book. I think it's in that um, in my bag back there. It's a blue book? Yes, exactly. (coughs) Thanks. Um, remember I told you Antipater was kind of the guy behind Hieracanus and Hyrcanus gets confirmed so Antipater really is ruling in the background and he has a son and his son's name is Herod okay Herod ends up murdering his father and Hieracanus and flees to Rome and pleads, make me king and they do it Okay? Now, he goes, well, he goes back, and there's a huge battle in Jerusalem because nobody wants to follow him. Okay, first of all, he's an Edomite. Okay? Besides that, he's a bum. Okay.
1: <laughs>
0: but if you remember from 2 Samuel chapter 7, when God said he would, he would um, make his covenant with David's son, it would last forever. David's son is who? Solomon. And what did Solomon do? He built the temple. So if they're looking for the Messiah, if they're looking for the king to return, they're going to look for a man who will restore the temple. Okay? The temple got trashed in this whole, when Pompeii came in, I mean, I mean, just, it was a disaster. Okay? So if Herod wants to show himself to be the king, What's he going to do? Rebuild the temple, and that's exactly what he does. Okay? He wants to prove himself. He's got a, he's got a complex. He wants to prove himself to be the Messiah. Okay? Let me start the picture. While Augustus was settling the empire as he had settled Rome, Herod was building a new temple in Jerusalem. Herod never really understood the Jewish faith he professed, into which his recent ancestors had been brought by compulsion, but he was anxious to demonstrate how splendidly he honored all its outward symbols, and he was a great builder. He replaced the smaller structure built by the returned exiles from Babylon in the time of King Darius I with what he claimed to be an exact replica of Solomon's temple but which actually seemed to have been much larger and taller than the original, surrounded by much enlarged outer courts and resting upon a immense stone platform. It towered over Jerusalem to a height of no less than 450 feet, from the top of its highest pinnacle to the bottom of the Kedron Canyon, directly below the city. He quotes a guy. It's a good explanation. I think it's helpful to us. The whole structure was a, was a fantastic tour de force and must have presented a most startling appearance, more like a modern skyscraper than any known building of antiquity. No expense was spared in the materials of the structure or in its decoration. It was built after the manner of many Syrian temples. The stone employed was a brilliant white marble. Josephus compares the general aspect of the building seen at a distance to a mountain covered with snow. The east front of the holy place was plated with gold, which reflected the rays of the rising sun with dazzling splendor. The great folding doors of the holy place were likewise plated with gold, and across them was drawn a magnificent embroidered veil, whose four colors typified the four elements. Over the doorway hung a giant golden vine, replacing what that which Aristobulus had given to Pompeii, whose clusters were as large as a man." You can imagine this massive thing. All to prove that he was the Christ. All to prove that he was the Messiah. Okay? Unfortunately for him, he was not. <laughs> Herod ends up falling out of... He, he was basically reigning as a free king at that point. But he goes and does makes war against another province of Rome. Bad idea. So he ends up becoming. a pet, They end up saying, uh, "You're not going to really rule so free anymore." And that's why you end up with all the Roman legions at the time of Christ. Okay. Turn to Galatians chapter four, verse four. Galatians, New Testament. Believe it or not. Galatians follows first and second Corinthians. Go to the Gospels. Then you got Romans, first and second Corinthians, Galatians. What chapter? We'll find Galatians first. (laughs) (laughs) Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians. Galatians, am I right? (laughs) Chapter four. (laughs) Chapter four, verse four. But when the time had fully come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Okay? Finally, God intervenes in a, in a way the Jews maybe didn't expect, maybe they expected and couldn't see. But notice the text that St. Paul is saying. In the fullness of time. That the entire Old Testament had prepared the way. Through man's sins and through his his good things too. Prepared the time for when God would send the Savior. Okay? The Savior waited for, from back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. you remember? The seed of the woman. And the battle, the war that would take place between the devil, the serpent... Okay? and God. That battle is fought through all of these stories. Hyrcanus, uh, um, the, the Babylonian uh, invasion, the pharaohs of Egypt, it's all a battle between good and evil until God finally brings, in a definitive way, sends his son. <clears throat> okay? We followed that story through all of the major people mostly the kings, all of the major people of the Old Testament, seeing how the covenant line doesn't just stretch from David, but stretches a family line from Adam all the way through Abraham and Isaac, all the way through to Judah, and it kept going through David and Solomon, Jeconiah, and finally Zerubbabel. Okay? Turn to Matthew. Chapter 1. You remember, before you read it, what did I say about genealogies? What about in the beginning? For those that, How many of you were in the first Bible study? Jeez. Okay, we'll start over. You can come to the one at, uh, at uh, Starbucks. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez. You remember, how did Perez come about? Uh, yeah, he goes, it has relations with his daughter-in-law on accident, remember? Oh no, yes, yes. And, uh, and Zerah, by Tamar, and Perez, the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. And Briam of Abinadab. And Abinadab of Nashon. And nation of Solomon. Where did we get that genealogy? Remember at the end of the book of Ruth? Mm-hmm. Remember that? It was right in there with Boaz? Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Solomon, the father of Boaz by Rahab. And Boaz, who was Rahab? The harlot, remember? As they come into the Holy Land.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth. And Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of David, the king. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife Uriah. And Solomon, the father of Rehoboam. And Rehoboam, the father of Abijah. Now, there's a few names in here that we're not recognized because we skipped. Remember in 2 Kings? All of these kings during the division of the kingdom. Okay? So that Rehoboam, Israel breaks to the north, and Judah stays in the south. Okay? And Rehoboam, the father of Abijah, and Abijah of Asa, and Asa the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat the father of Joram, and Joram the father of Uzziah, and Uzziah the father of, uh, of Jotham, and Jotham the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz of Hezekiah, and Hezekiah of Manasseh, and Manasseh of Amos, and Amos of Josiah, and Josiah of Jeconiah. Remember, Jeconiah is the last one, and it gets exiled to Babylon. Okay, Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the deportation of Babylon. And after the deportation of Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel. And Shealtiel, the father of Zerubbabel. And Zerubbabel, the father. What did I tell you now? The rest of the Old Testament, these guys go underground. This is the first time since all the way back there of Zerubbabel and the return from Babylon, that we find out who the kings are. They were underground, passing it on from generation to generation, knowing that God would send the Messiah someday. And they were holding the family covenant line for that day. Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel, the father of Abiud, and Abiud, the father of Eliakim. A Jew reading this, this is the first time. Suddenly, they they know the genealogy. They know that the promise of 2 Samuel 7 has not died. And Eliakim the father of Azor, and Azor the father of Zodak, and Zodak of Achim, and Achim of Eliud, and Eliud of Aziar and Elishar of, of Mathen, and Mathen of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph. Joseph was the king. And he was humbly working in his carpenter's uh, building, whatever, knowing that he was the rightful king of Israel. But in order that the covenant line would continue, he humbled himself to build and build chairs, and whatever he did, to wait for the day when God would intervene. And Joseph, the husband of Mary, whom Jesus was born, who is called the King, the Christ.
6: Wow. I think that he was a king.
0: Yeah. But nobody recognizing king at that time, right? No, because it was in his heart. They were hiding if they had stood up, what would have happened to him? Off with your head. Okay? Yeah.
3: This is what I've never gotten, though. Jesus isn't Joseph's
0: son. <laughs> ah, good point. Uh-huh. Right. According to Jewish custom, um, an adopted son receives full rights as a son, and he is re- he is re- respected as a son. So an adopted son of a king is a prince. He's the one that would take the throne. Mm-hmm. He is seen as a full rightful heir to the throne. Yeah.
3: Also, um, I understand that Mary was also descendant from maybe, right?
0: Yeah. Yes. And that's the genealogy in Luke because there are different names. Right. Yeah. You get different names in Luke because. We saw some of the different names. Okay, sometimes the names—if you go line them up—for the most part, they're parallel. The sounds will parallel in the names. Sometimes other guys are in the genealogy. Notice we didn't cover everyone, right? And this genealogy doesn't cover everyone. It covers the most important people. Okay, and so the genealogy in Luke and Matthew are slightly different. No "begot" mean that's your song? Like I can't begot somebody that I didn't begot. <laughs> I'm gonna be reading about Joseph and Jesus. No, well, no, 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 no. I mean, you said that they skip people, but if you got, if somebody begot somebody. No, yeah, that's not true. Actually, even according to Jewish custom, the, the uh, grandfather, the great-great-great-grandfather is still called the father of the, of the boy. Okay. okay, so all of the people, all right. So like I can say like my dad, my father, or his dad's father. Look, when I had my baby, I was sitting there in my, in my in my wife's parents' home. I realized they just had another child. It's a grandchild, but this is their child. It was it's because they had my wife that my wife had this baby. So they had the baby, right? I was carrying on and placing before them in their in their older age. Not that old, but still, their children. Okay, they can look upon her, and this—that's her, their child. She looks, she looks like her grandparents. They can see their child. It's an amazing thing, a gift that God's given us. So, okay. Anyways, all right. Um. So, okay. Uh, any questions? So Mary, Mary
3: was the descendant of King David.
2: Also, by, yeah. by adoption, by um, the line of Joseph,
0: and uh, by blood to the uh, her yeah. Let's not, I don't want to confuse it too much, so let's just let's leave Luke aside to the, for a second and just deal with Matthew, okay? I think it's easier for everybody. So, okay, go ahead. You
3: just made an offhand comment that the Jews know this only from this genealogy, right? But like the Jews don't read this. You're right. No.
0: For a Jew receiving <coughs> the Word of God, suddenly because they, my first <coughs> kid, we're like, like at kindergarten level, guys, we don't even know these people. Okay, they knew these people. They knew these stories. They memorized these stories. Okay, so for a Jew after Zerubbabel, what happened? Okay, you can imagine at the time of Christ, when is God going to bring about His covenant with His people? Right? So this yearning and, and, a, and a trust that he would do it. Okay. And so, again, a Jew reading the genealogy who comes to the revelation of Jesus Christ, suddenly, there it is. There's the genealogy all the way down. But one who stops in Maccabees, Zerubbabel is the last one we know of. Okay?
3: So when all we would really do is hand like, Jews that were searching the book of Matthew...
0: <laughs> that might be a good thing to do <laughs> uh, Yeah, I mean uh, modern day Judaism is a, is kind of disastrous because it's splintered into different things and you know so an orthodox an orthodox Jew I mean yeah you wish you could hand them that and they would accept it you know I don't know Seems
3: really
0: clear. <laughs> I always end up on the airplanes with orthodox Jews but I never end up sitting next to them it drives me crazy they're like two aisles behind me they're like it was like three hours, yeah, it was behind me last time. So I finally got up and I walked up to the guy and I introduced myself. How are you doing? What are you reading there? We started having a conversation. But uh, I never quite got to the point. You know. <laughs> 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 Does that ever happen to you You're like, you want to talk to this guy really bad and he's like two seats away too far? You know, we're talking about the faith back there somewhere. You can hear him and you can't go and like, you know, to gonna do in New York, can't yeah. <laughs> The airplane is the best place to evangelize because the guy's saying, "Yes, you can't get away."
1: <laughs> so,
0: um, all right, look, I'm just gonna, let me just say this, and we'll and we'll uh, finish up. Yeah. That, because the New Testament, for the most people, pe- for the most part, people know it, and so I'm just going to say a couple of words. Um, the Gospels. There's what we call the synoptic gospels with one eye, synoptic. Why, why do we call the synoptic gospels? Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Why? They're very much
1: alike.
0: Yeah, they're very much alike. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Are very similar. Okay? John is not. John is a different eye, if you will, a different perspective of the same story. Okay? We're gonna do John after after Easter. John's my specialty. I love it. It's Great. I love it. Love it. You say that once.
1: Why? Why? Say, I love it. I love, you say, I love it. it. <laughs> I say, I it. <laughs> anyways. Why uh, do you prefer than the
2: others?
0: John's just what I fell in love with. It's beautiful. I mean, most of John is the eagle. He soars the highest. He's amazing. So, anyways. Uh, He's
2: more philosophical than this, uh, right?
0: they say that John a little, a little child could read John or a great theologian in the world could read John he's he's accessible to everyone okay but he's just wonderful and there's so much to get out of him so anyways there it is okay. Acts of the Apostles covers what I'm sorry for you people that are like okay guys give me a break what is Acts of the Apostles the early church right the work of the Apostles the Acts of the Apostles when they went out and evangelized right um and out of Acts of the Apostles, we get the story of Paul's, Paul's uh, journeys, conversion and his ultimate journeys, okay? So when you're reading Acts of the Apostles and you're reading his journeys... Realize he's meeting all these different groups of people. Well let's look at it real quick. We have a couple of minutes. Let's look at it real quick. Um, um, look at um, look at Acts chapter 17 verse 1.
2: Which
0: one? Chapter 17
2: verse 1. Acts, Acts, Acts.
0: Acts, right after the Gospels. Chapter 17, verse 1. I gotta get rid of some of this candy, guys. Come on. Who wants some candy? <laughs> After this though, tomorrow, Ash Wednesday, no more.
2: Okay, right? You
0: give up everything. You don't eat. Let me tell you something real quick, guys. In the old days, in even older days than some of you older people, the fast, you remember when the fasts were more strict, right? Yeah. Yeah. Before you, guess what the fast was? No meat, all during Lent. No fish, all during Lent. No dairy all during Lent. No wine, no oil. Right. You had to be a vegetarian. Okay? See so you I remember oh, that Friday, and then I, I'm, at Christian College, the guys stay up till midnight, they're washing the clothes, and then they start grilling hamburgers.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> Seriously, anybody can, the church just gives a base law, like here's what you gotta do to, to live. All right? You gotta go to church on Sunday at least. Okay, but if you just do that, you're not getting. You're not really getting the faith. Right. You got to really live it. Okay, and really make serious sacrifices Okay, anyways, Acts chapter seventeen, verse one.
2: What? Who's got
0: it? Chapter seventeen, verse one. Go ahead.
2: When they Paul and Thessalonica, when they took the road through Amphipolis and Apollonia. Wait, read the first verse again. When they took the road through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they
0: reached Thessalonica. Okay, they reached Thessalonica. So Paul goes to Thessalonica. Paul ends up writing an epistle called what? Thessalonians. Thessalonians. So if you're going to read Thessalonians, before you read Thessalonians, what are you going to do? Go back and read the story about Paul being in Thessalonica. Who's with them? What do you talk to them about? And so suddenly, all of a sudden, the text is going to be rooted in the history. Instead, we use Paul. How do we use Paul. Uh, Protestants believe in faith alone, but Catholics believe in works. And uh, but here's what Paul says. Here and here's what Paul says. There. Nonsense. It's not what the text is supposed to be read. The text should be read in its historical context, and then suddenly we end up with a decent, a decent understanding of a, of what's going on. Okay? It's not supposed to be used to beat everybody over the head with. Right? Okay? So you get right. That's the Thessalonians. Uh, uh, First Corinth. Uh, sorry. Acts 18.1 Keep reading for us. that? Yeah. 18.1, Go.
2: 18.1? 18, 18, yeah. After this he left Athens and went to Corinth. Ah!
0: Corinthians. 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 Good. Turn to
2: 19.1. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior of a country and came down to Ephesus where he found some disciples. Okay. He
0: goes to Ephesus. where does he go through? Corinth. Right? Oh, that yeah. Ephesus. He goes to Ephesus. Whatever. <laughs> Ephesians. Alright? Yeah. Within the historical context of Acts, we start to understand the epistles of Paul. Okay? Um, finally, after the epistles of Paul, there's something called the Catholic epistles. And no, dear Catholics, it doesn't, not in the same sense as we're Catholics. It's called Catholic. Is that spelled Catholic? <laughs> <laughs> I'm dyslexic, I can't spell. That looks funny to me. Look at things. It's so anyways. Catholic means what? What's the word mean? Universal. 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 So these epistles, the Catholic epistles, James, Peter, John, and Jude, are epistles that are written to the general, the church as a whole. Okay, not to Corinth or Ephesus, but general is the church as a whole. Okay? Book of Revelation. Okay, I know everybody loves the Book of Revelation. My brother's going to teach a course in the Book of Revelation this summer at NDGS, the Christian College Graduate School in Alexandria. Don't miss it. Uh, open to Revelation, since we love it so much. Revelation is the last book of Apocalypse, the last book of the Bible. Yeah, okay, you're at Revelation chapter 1. Look back, like one page, you'll see the third letter of John. It's very short.
1: After the Apocalypse?
0: Or before? Before Revelation, before the Apocalypse, third epistle of John. See that? Mm -hmm. There's Jude and there's John just before it. Mm -hmm. There's there's only one little thing. Okay, look at verse 13. I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face-to-face. Huh? It was more important to speak the word of God than to write it down. Oral tradition. Okay, I told you, you shouldn't beat each other over the head, but there it is, okay? It, it's true. I can communicate a whole lot more to you face-to-face than writing a letter. You ever felt like that? You want to write an email back? It takes too long to say what you want to say? Yeah. Okay, like, like tonight. I could never have written tonight. It would take forever, Okay? so, there it is. Oral tradition, extremely important. Okay, and what did he say? You're not gonna know if this is the only thing you got. Okay? All right, revelation. Um, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to, show to his servants what must soon take place. And he made it known by sending his angel to his servant John. John the Evangelist, who bore witness. John was exiled on the, mount- on the island of Patmos for being a Christian. Um, verse 3. Blessed is he who reads aloud the words of the prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written therein. So we're very blessed tonight. Okay. Verse 4. John to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him. He writes to his people just like Paul wrote to all of those people. He writes to his seven churches that he founded. Okay. Look at um, verse nine. I, John, your brother, who share with you in Jesus the tribulation and the kingdom and the, pa- uh, and the patient endurance, was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. So he's exiled because of what he's doing. Okay. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. What's the Lord's day? Yeah, the Lord's day, Jesus' day that He rose from the dead. Okay, Uh, we're not seventh-day Adventists. Okay, the Lord's day are are, uh, not Jesus's. Seventh-day Adventists. Who else? What's the Sabbath? The uh, Saturday thing. You know. Anyways, there it is. He's on the. He's in the spirit. What's it mean to be in the spirit on the Lord's day? First of all, he's an apostle, which means he's a bishop, which means he's a priest. He's in the Spirit on Sunday. What's going on? Yeah. He's worshiping God as a priest. And I heard behind me a loud voice, like a trumpet, saying, Write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus and Serena and and so on. Okay? Now, we're not going to go through this, but what does he see? He sees his revelation. Well, we'll look at a couple things. <laughs> Chapter 4, verse 8. He's celebrating the liturgy. He gets taken into heaven, and he sees what's going on in heaven. Okay? Suddenly, what he's doing on earth is, in a sense, transformed. And he sees before him that which were only types. The, the candles the candlesticks on the altar, okay suddenly come alive. The people that were chanting holy holy, holy suddenly become the angels. okay The Eucharist which he holds in his hand on the altar suddenly be, becomes the Lamb of God. Everything which was under type or under shadow that we see on Sunday is revealed to him. So you see verse 8, And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around within, and day and night they never cease to sing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. What point in the mass do you hear holy, holy, holy? Yeah, writing the Eucharistic prayer. And if he's saying the Mass the right way, it would, the text would maybe be singing the Holy Holy, Holy when he begins the Eucharistic prayer, right? So that all this is going on, he's saying the Eucharistic prayer so that at that moment that it finishes, this is my body, this is my blood. And what does he see at that moment? But the Lamb of God. Look at verse 8, uh, chapter 5, verse 8. And when he, took, when he had taken the scroll, of four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a heart with golden bowls full of incense, which were the prayers of the saints. Where do you see incense? At the church, at the elevation. Okay? And what are they? They're the prayers of the saints. Those are our prayers. When you see the incense going up in church, it's a symbol of all those pray- people gathered in the church praying, offering a sacrifice to God. He sees it. He sees the reality of it. Not just in shadow. Okay? John the Evangelist. Chapter 12. Or chapter 19. What was in the center of the Holy of Holies? The house of God. What was in there? Chapter nineteen? Chapter 12. What was in the center of the Holy of Holies for the Jews? The Ark of the Covenant. The the temple was the house of God, the dwelling place of God. So John is taken up into that dwelling place. He sees into the inner sanctuary. The wall is being sung. What else does he see? Chapter eleven, verse nineteen. Chapter eleven, verse nineteen. Then God's temple in heaven was opened, and the ark of His covenant was seen within the temple. And there were flashes of light and loud noises and peals of thunder and earthquake and heavenly hail and heavy hail. And a great portent appeared in heaven: a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet. Unfortunately, they put the chapter break there stupidly. They shouldn't have put the chapter break there because in scriptures, we saw in Genesis, sometimes a writer writes one, time, one thing and he writes it again in a new way. Right? Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. So it's here. He, what does he see? The Ark of the Covenant, a woman clothed with the sun. Okay? And then you want to really get it on? Look at this. We're going to conclude with this. All right? I shouldn't do this because this is eating Eden stuff. What is Alright.
2: Chapter 21.
0: Look, this is the end of all things. John sees what the world is made to be. And what does he see? then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband and I heard a great voice from the throne saying behold the dwelling of God is with men he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself will be with them he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more why is death wiped away? because death was a result of the fall and so now everything is restored. Okay? Verse 7. He who conquers shall have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Chapter, uh, uh, verse 22. And I saw no temple in the city. Verse 22 of chapter 21. I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb, and the city has no need of sun or moon to shine upon it. For the glory of God is its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light shall nations walk, and the kings of the earth shall bring their glory into it. And its gates shall never be shut by day. Remember, the gate was shut on Eden. Okay? Chapter 22, verse 1. Then he showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve <coughs> fruits of fruit yielding its fruit each month, the leaf, uh, and the leaves of the tree with the healing of the nations. There shall be no more anything accursed, for the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it. And His servants shall worship Him, and they shall see His face, and His name shall be on their foreheads. And night shall be no more. They need no light of lamp or, of, of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light. And they shall reign forever and ever. Okay? What's going on? you Guys, we're not made to be floating in heaven. We have this idea we float in heaven for all eternity. I am made to be standing here before you to live eternally in this body. That's why we say in the creed that we believe in the resurrection of the body. That's why Jesus Christ rose from the dead to give us life back in heaven. Not this idea floating around. No, not that. (laughs) (laughs) I get to be divinized like Adam before the fall. Do you think I get to hug people in heaven? Yeah! (laughs) Do I get to hold my child's hand? Yeah!
6: What about cremation?
0: (sighs) That's why the church never liked cremation in the first place. Bad idea. Okay. Anyways, but the point is, we are made to walk in the footsteps of God. We are made to be in His image and likeness. Okay? And the whole Bible, that whole story, all the way to Jesus Christ. And one more thing. Salvation history doesn't end when I close that book. Salvation history keeps going. And it includes me and you. Today, right now, as I speak to you, you speak to me. We have Mardi Gras Bible study. This is salvation history. God is working with His people to bring about the salvation of the world. Okay?
1: Thank you guys all for coming late at night. God bless. You.